coaches and I just classify ourselves as problem solvers. Problem solvers who have had a lot of experience in solving problems in the area of health and fitness and movement optimization. There's a lot of things that we know that you don't. The way I explain this to people is like the criteria with which you make decisions is different than us, right? Often. So even though in your mind, you may be prioritizing one thing or another, because in your mind, you think it's the most important, we may think it's something different. And it's just because maybe we have a greater range of information to look at. So we realize when it comes to you transforming your body, we may see something as a priority for you that you may not even know exists. So the reason I'm speaking about this specifically today is the thing that we're speaking about today is that for most people. And when people will hear about breath work, people are like, ah, whatever, breath work. But let me tell you guys, again, it's it's become very popular in the last couple of years. But let me tell you, the opportunity that exists within breath work to change your psychology, to change your physiology, so the way you move, uh, the way you, you, you feel inside, and ultimately modulate stress is enormous. So what does that mean, modulate stress? Well, we all experience stress. We can all experience the same thing on two consecutive days and actually our bodies can perceive that differently. And so I'll give an example. My kids are are wonderful humans, but sometimes they can be holy terrors. And I often will use their uh, behavior as an indication of how I'm feeling, right? And what that means is if they're irritating me, I know it has nothing to do with them and everything to do with me, right? And so what does that mean? So if, imagine your nervous system, your autonomic nervous system, like the lens through which you look at the world. So today, if I have on a lens that's a little bit tightly wound, then things just tend to set me off a little bit more. I tend to get a little more agitated or irritated. And that has nothing to do with the event itself or, or the, the person itself. It has everything to do with my perception and my filter through which I'm looking at the world. And so this autonomic nervous system is the filter. And we all have a different filter through which we look at it, right? We all have different memories. We all have different nervous systems, ultimately, all experiences. So the autonomic nervous system is an incredibly important system to understand. And the reason I'm speaking of the autonomic nervous system and breath in, in the same sentence is the breath is the gateway to autonomic control. So if you want to learn how to take control, ultimately, of your response to things in any situation, whether that's a really stressful one or simply calming yourself down for bed or maybe changing your perceived effort or exertion in the gym, breathwork is the key. Breathwork is the key. And I've been quoted as saying that I think that breathwork is a performance enhancing opportunity on par with anabolic steroids. And, uh, and I consider myself extremely experienced and extremely well-versed when it comes to anabolic steroids, if I'm being honest. And I think that uh, breathwork has been equally as effective as far as my ability to access a new level of performance in the gym and in my mind, in my life, and very well practiced in breathwork. I've done, I've done breathwork for many, many years, probably since 2017, maybe actually earlier than that, probably 2015. It continues to progress. And so I'll tell you the key with breathwork, just like what like I've often used this reference, just like the first time you contracted your bicep, it was hard, you didn't really feel it, you're like, ah, don't we get anything out of that? It's the same thing. If you're new to breathwork, it's going to feel like, ah, it was a little underwhelming, didn't really feel a difference. The more consistent you are with practice, the more effective it can be. So what benefits are you going to receive? Well, I said this, I think you said this last week, I have a, uh, I have a belief 
there's really only two found, uh, functional movements in the human system, right? The two base level functional movements, breathing and walking. And if you're not doing those things correctly, then you can assume right off the bat, your posture is, is imbalanced, right? Therefore, I can assume that everything that stacks on top of that imbalanced posture is also therefore dysfunctional. So at the root of everything we do is breathing and walking mechanics, right? So that's one foundation of, of breath work that's very important. Then we look at stress control or sometimes mm-hmm. e- easily looked at as like, um, well, let me explain three, the three, if you guys are taking notes, here's the three pillars of breath. So biomechanics, biochemistry, and cadence. And so biomechanics is how we move. This is the structural balance piece that we're talking about with posture. And then we talk about biochemistry, which is this dynamic balance between carbon dioxide and oxygen ultimately, right? And how it influences pH in the body. So people talk about like, everyone ever heard of like an alkaline diet? Torch it. There's no such thing as an alkaline diet. What they're, the only way you can alkalize your body is through breathing, or you can acidify your body through breathing. And so that, yeah, it, it's a very tightly regulated system, but it's the only way to influence the actual pH of your, of your system. You can influence it. And so I, when I say that an alkaline diet is for shit, it doesn't mean that it has no value, but it's not going to alkalize you. So an alkaline diet can, can be val- valuable from perspective of increasing mineral consumption, which can help with kind of repositories of minerals, which, which can keep re- a regulatory mechanism on your pH. But biomechanics, biochemistry, third one, cadence, it's cadence. It's the, it's the uh, in and out duration, right? It's the duration of in, in versus pause versus out versus pause. And those things are, that's massively influential on your psychological state. So you guys have heard me say this in the past. Your, your inhale is the breath of excitation. I want to be stimulated. It's a deep breath in, fast, sharp breath in, right? I want to be uh, calm. Take a breath out and it calms me down one single breath. For someone who's very, very well trained in breath work or well tuned at the level of the autonomic nervous system, one breath is all it takes. Someone who's less healthy, less well tuned, uh, less experienced may take significantly more, right? And so the ideal circumstance is we want to be able to achieve the warrior state, right? I want to be a warrior and I also want to be a monk, one breath in either direction. So if you guys can learn to train the warrior with this aggressive, fast, sharp breath in, really amplify your nervous system. You're like turning on the nervous system, right? You're getting this really big secretion of adrenaline. The body's um, pulling up nitric oxide. And so the body's ready to pounce, fight, lift, right? So you often see me, I'll show you a little more nuance before I lift, doing stuff like that if it's a really big lift. Right. And as soon as I'm done, and you start training your mind, you're training your body to access these states. Right. I've often been, I've often said, like, I have a gear that most people will never understand. And that's not that you can't do it, it's that you just haven't trained it before. So if you can, if you can learn to access that gear, um, your ability to get results is exponentially greater. And that's one of the things that we, we hope to impart you guys with during our time together is, the ability to understand that gear and not necessarily get there on a consistent basis yet, but just touch it, right? Like, so first of all, I should say, we're backing it back up a second. Most people, and this is on the order of 98% of people or more, aren't fit enough to touch that gear, right? 
you try to you try to go to that level, your nervous system can't do it, your your heart can't do it, your muscles can't do it. I mean, you just don't have the capacity yet, right? So we get we as coaches, we start breaking down. Okay, if I need you to hit maximum heart rate, maximum muscular output, maximum nervous system output, maximum CO two uh, tolerance, what do I need to train to get there? So that's how we think about this. And so our one of our goals for you, and hopefully it's a goal for yourself, is to learn how to access that. Because I'll tell you, it doesn't just apply in the gym, it applies in life, right? Having another gear that most people will never experience gives you a new sense of confidence in everything you do, right? If any room that I step into, I'm confident in my ability to be an alpha male in that room, right? Because I know what I'm capable of. And that's an important thing. That's an important uh, asset to know in, in unconsciously, right? Unconsciously. Like, I know that if shit goes down, I don't stop. Right, I don't stop until the last guy stops stops moving. I'm not I'm not planning to fight anybody. That on an unconscious level is is important to know that like, hey, you got you got your shit covered, man. Like, take care of your business, take care of your family, you know. And so my belief is that breath work is one of these levers that you guys must learn to control. Getting into a few of the nuances around biomechanics. Let's start there. Everybody, sit up in your chair. Let's do this with me. We're gonna do three minutes of breathing nothing too extravagant, nothing too stressful. I just want you to feel. So if it requires you putting on your hand, your hand on your tummy and the hand on your chest, that's a great way to start because it gives us some, some immediate feedback. So as we breathe in, we want to think about inflating the balloon in our belly, right? So we breathe down into our belly. We exhale through our nose, nice and slow, make the balloon get smaller. With each breath, I want you just to increase the duration of the breath just a little bit. So maybe you want from three seconds in, three seconds out, to four seconds in, four seconds out. Just try that. And as you do it, you're going to notice you're going to have to relax the muscles around the abdominals. In the society we live in, especially in the fitness culture, we're taught to keep our abs tight all the time. Hold our belly. You don't want to do that. You want to be really, really soft. Let everything move. Let everything pull. Let the belly hang out if that's where it wants to go. Just be really, really relaxed and breathe into that hand. You're ultimately trying to send your breath down into your pelvic floor. Keep extending that inhale just by a little bit. It's not going to be a full second. Maybe you guys get to six seconds in, six seconds out. And you'll notice it's hard, right? And you notice you may want to be, you may be tense, but learning to, to tune into your body and feel where you're holding tension is necessary to let it relax. Let's try to go to eight seconds in and eight seconds out. Maybe a stretch for some of you guys. Go as much as you can, but really try to push. And again, push doesn't mean hard. Push means like trying to allow yourself to relax enough to allow it to expand to that point. And relax enough to let it out as slowly as it can. Many of us want to force that breath out on the exhale. No. You let it out like somebody just cracked the window and there's just a little, just a little bit of breath coming out, coming out of your nose. I'm doing that out of my mouth so you guys can hear it. Step two, guys, I want you to take your hands. Let everybody look at me. You take your hands in an L like this. So index fingers are going to be on the front. Thumbs are going to be on the back. You're going to go around your sides. So you can you can use your whole hand, but I'll just show you the demonstration. So your thumb is going to be on the lower ribs in the back. Your index finger is going to be on the lower ribs in the front. 
Got that? Now, same thing here. I want you guys to breathe and make this circumference of your waist as big as possible on the inhale and as small as possible on the exhale. Feel it expand into your hands and then exhale. Inhale, fill your hands. On this exhale, make the waist as small as you can, but try to relax your face, relax your shoulders, relax the jaw. Inhale, expand those hands. Let's try to get to eight seconds in. Relax your shoulders. Does anyone feel it more in their chest than they do in their abdomen? Very common, right? Very, very common. Ideally, we want to breathe down into our diaphragm and not up into our chest, at least to start. And does anyone not feel it when you breathe horizontally, when you're not able to feel any kind of expansion, contraction? This would be step one that everyone should be working on, literally guys, daily, right? So when do I do this? Like fitting into your life is an important thing. Do you know what I breathe like this? I do this without question. Before I get out of bed every morning, I do at least five breaths every day. And the first thing I'm going to feel is like, can I feel it everywhere? So what you may experience, what you may have experienced now is maybe one side felt kind of tight and restricted. One side felt like it was breathing more than the other, like it was getting more space than the other. That's very common, right? What we want to try to do is breathe equally into both sides. It's not possible to breathe, breathe equally into both sides because you've got a lot more organs on one side. But you're trying to feel as though you're breathing equally kind of 360 degrees. So what, when I'm doing this, I'm feeling first my, my side, actually it goes first out into my tummy, then it goes laterally into my hands, like we had on my hand, hands on my hip, and then it goes back. Actually, if you get good at this, you'll feel your, your ribs start to expand the back. And then it starts to come up. So I feel my back expand, then it starts to come up. When I really am full, you start to feel it pull up here into the traps. And so the expansion from the inside is an incredibly useful tool. Does anyone ever have back pain or shoulder pain? So if you want to get rid of back pain and shoulder pain, the number one method in my experience is this deep, expansive breath. So if you think of expanding all those muscles from the inside, it's really necessary that you relax. You can't do it when you're tense. So you're forced to relax. You're giving your body the opportunity to just settle into stuff and you're expanding from the inside. It's the best relief of back pain that I've ever had by far. Second, you'll notice that you're by, by doing the expansive inhale, you'll actually really force the thoracic spine into extension, right? So you start getting a little bit taller through your posture, which then opens up your shoulder for better mobility, right? So we're better, get, better able to get our hand over our head, therefore decreasing shoulder pain and injuries simply from doing an expansive breath. Now that's on the inhale side, right? So inhales is really building expansion. We're really trying to stretch from the inside. We're getting spinal extension, opening up the shoulder. Then the other side of that, the exhale, the exhale is really, really useful for letting the diaphragm completely relax. So when you breathe in, the diaphragm contracts down. When you exhale, the diaphragm relaxes up, right? So the diaphragm relaxes kind of up under your ribcage. When it does that, when the diaphragm completely relaxed, this is so important, your pelvic floor, the muscles of the pelvic floor actually engage. So in order for the muscles of the pelvic floor to engage, the diaphragm has to be relaxed unless it's conscious. 
So if we're relaxing the diaphragm all the way, the pelvic floor engages. Do you know how many people have a weak pelvic floor that causes back pain? Like 80% of people over the age of 35 have a very weak pelvic floor that directly causes hip tightness and lower back pain, right? It's a huge percentage of people. And the number one cause of back pain is often the, the lack of stability around the pelvic musculature, right? So the hips start to be, become tighter, they maybe become a little rotated, and then all of a sudden, boom, got a back injury. So if you guys can learn to control your breath, learn to control the, the uh, amplitude and may ultimately the, the length, the inhale and the exhalation duration and, and size, we'll say, the more effective you can be at controlling your body, your biomechanics, right? So we're talking about biomechanics. How the body moves, and there's a there's a lot more nuance to it. You know, there's nuance to when you should breathe in, when you should breathe out, and exercise. There's, there's nuance to learning to control your breath, uncouple the breath from the movement when you're training to decrease perceived exertion. What that means is most people are taught to breathe one breath in, one breath out per rep. Right? You're taught one breath, one rep. That's a couple. Those are coupled. You do them together. Ideally, we want to uncouple them. We, want it, we don't want those to be coupled. We want the breath and the, ideally, unless you're doing powerlifting, and the reps, the not necessarily be coupled. We want to uncouple them so we can become more conscious of the breath, control our, our exertion, our perception of, of exertion. So if you guys ever trained and felt like you worked really, really hard to the point you're out of breath and you couldn't control your breath, learning to control your breath in that state is a superpower for performance. You can go so much further than you think. Like, astronomically for anything, simply by learning how to control your breath. And listen, guys, if you can't do five breaths, we got problems, right? We, we got to work on that. You're like, like five breaths is 60 seconds, you know? If, if each breath is 12, se 12 seconds in, or so 12 seconds in duration, so uh, make time, right? And so my suggestion is, uh, I know I said the morning, but I also, all, I also will do it for every meal, every meal, right? I know we tend to eat in a rush as a society, but taking time to have five breaths, five breaths is one minute. And the way my, I breathe is like, there's no additional priority for me when I'm when I'm breathing before a meal, at least there's no higher priority than just making sure I have control of my diaphragm. Do that first. All right, so control of my diaphragm means can I expand it all the way down into my lower abdomen? And can I relax it all the way up into my ribcage? That's priority number one. Why? Because if I can't control that, I can't control my autonomic nervous system. Right? Then my body is, is dictating what I want to do. My, my body's dictating my outcomes. My nervous system is controlling me. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm in control of my nervous system, right? So if I can't control at the, at the root level, the diaphragm, I mean, its ability to expand and contract, I can't access my autonomic nervous system at the same level. So that's priority number one. So then on, on top of that, by doing that breath, I notice that my posture corrects itself. So you can't possibly do a complete inhale, a complete exhale. We just left. It just doesn't happen. So I noticed that like if I'm sitting at the table, my posture corrects itself because I'm breathing deeply. Now that's a huge benefit too, to everything we do, right? To life and to training. So the two times guys that I would add it in, you know, obviously during training is a good time to, to do some expansive breathing before and after is great. But the two simplest times is everyone eats and everyone wakes up, right? You can even do it while you're brushing your teeth. Totally, right? One of the things that comes to mind that's important to know it is you have to become mentally okay with letting your, your stomach relax. And most of us are so focused, like pulling our belly in or like, yeah, to make sure I'm always in the right posture, like girls are sticking their bum out. You just got to let it go. You got to learn to just let it all relax. So another thing that I mentioned that worth bringing up here is during your set, right? During your, your big sets, right? 
your breathing may not be your first conscious point of attention, right? You maybe just focus on like pulling your shit together to, to get this weight up, right? Or to contract your muscles. That's great. Because really, we, only, we have a limited amount of conscious attention. But uh, so the breath may, be just, may just go out the window, which is okay. Like focus on, focus on bracing, focus on training hard, great. But as soon as that set's done, your breath should be your number one priority, right? Why? It's the fastest way to get you out of that warrior state and back into the monk state. So we got to get out of the warrior because we can't, we don't want to stay in that warrior state when we're training, like maybe, but we want to be able to kind of tap in, tap out, tap in, tap out, right? So the quicker I can train my nervous system to turn up and go as hard as they possibly can, like I'm about to smash through a wall. And as soon as I've done smashing through that wall, well, I don't want to smash through the next wall. I'm going to calm down, right? Chill out. Breathe, focus yourself, and then ready to go again, right? So think through that, guys. This is this is such a tool that like, just can literally change your performance. It can change your mind forever, it, the way your mind works. You're training your, your carbon dioxide tolerance, your body's ability to tolerate CO2. And that's kind of the second point that we want to drive home. We talk about biochemistry. So the thing we influence when we breathe, when we're, we're exchanging oxygen and CO2 with the environment, we're actually significantly influencing our biochemistry, chemistry inside of our body, right? Specifically, it's it's immediately, it's first order of influence is going to be CO2 and uh, oxygen. So obviously, pulling oxygen, it exchanges in the alveoli of the lungs, goes into the, into the capillaries, right? And it goes into the blood. So the blood becomes oxygenated. And then when we produce energy in the cell, which is ultimately why we do anything, so ATP production is kind of the, the base of everything we do. As a byproduct of ATP production, we get CO2, right? So the body then wants to excrete CO2. So if we think about the more energy we produce, because we're training or doing anything hard or stressful, we're actually producing more CO2, right? So we need to be able to get that out, right? So that the body increases respiration rate, increases heart rate respiration rate to get it out. Now, imagine someone who's got a very low ability to tolerate carbon dioxide, meaning just a little bit of elevation in, in carbon dioxide in blood, what happens? Heart rate goes up, respiration rate goes up, right? <laughs> They're doing this fast. They go into what I call panic breath, right? And their perceived effort is like, holy shit, this is so hard. Now imagine the flip side of that. Someone who has a high ability to tolerate accumulation of CO2. So if I can accumulate more CO2 in the system and I can tolerate it and the body doesn't react, doesn't drive the heart rate up, it doesn't drive the respiration rate up, because I've, I've I've learned the ability to tolerate it, and I'll explain what that means. Then the body will be more able to produce more work over time, right? So if I can hold my breath, let's say if I stop breathing right now, my body's accumulating CO two. It's going up, it's going up, it's going up. Can't get it out because I'm not breathing. It's going up, going up. The more CO two you can tolerate, the longer you can hold your breath. The longer you can stay without going into panic mode. So if I ask some of you guys right now to hold your breath, and you said, plug your nose, hold your breath, some of you guys would hold it for 10 or 15 seconds, and you go, I can't breathe, I breathe, panic mode, right? So imagine that, how that applies in training. If you could hold your breath for two to three minutes, and so your body's accumulating huge amounts of CO2, and you still don't go into panic mode, imagine how that implicates in training, right? We can train hard and hard and hard and hard and hard, and I still feel good, I'm good, I'm not panicking yet. Does that make sense? So if you, and, and so if you want to talk about how CO2 and oxygen directly influence pH that I said earlier about in, in the early in the call. The more this is, this may sound, oh, so let me just say one other thing first. No, let's, let's go on this one. So it's important to know that 
the more you accumulate CO2, the more acid your body actually is producing. So you're actually, your body does, it can become more acidic from accumulating CO2. However, it's actually a good thing. This is the training effect, right? When we intentionally subject our body to higher amounts of carbon dioxide, you guys can all do it right now, right? Let's all do a breath hold together. So on the count of three, not, not yet, but when I tell you, I say one, two, three, and I want you to blow all your air out through your nose as slowly as you can. All your air out. And then when there's all the way out, I want you to blow your nose. You're going to hold as long as you can. Once you feel a, a strong desire to breathe in, you're going to take the hand away from your nose, breathe in through your nose. Just count how much time it is. Everybody do it. Ready? One, two, three, let's exhale. Right. So that strong desire to breathe, that's your ability. That, that, that feeling you're getting, that's carbon dioxide accumulating. Your brain's going, <gasps> I got to get, I got to breathe. Can't breathe. That's that, that feeling you get is a result of the accumulation of CO2. So those of you that held it longer, you have a greater ability to tolerate carbon dioxide. You guys want numbers on this. So if you can, if you're doing a full exhale and you can hold your breath for typically 45 to 60 seconds, you're, you're good to very good. If you're over a minute, you're exceptional. If you're under 15 seconds, it's poor. So give you guys some basic numbers. Yeah, that's probably, that's a, that's a very general way to look at it, but they'll call this a carbon dioxide tolerance test. There's two ways to do a CO2 tolerance test. One is an exhale emphasized hold. The other is full inhale. And then as slow as you can, you exhale. And you count the time. And the longer the amount of time it takes for you to exhale, the more degree of the CO2 tolerance. Okay, let's wrap up on cadence. Um, I want to be respectful of everyone's time. Cadence is obviously the duration in, pause, duration out, pause. Short duration in is indication of like less sympathetic arousal, less stress. So if I go really short breath in, like taking a little sip of air in, I'm not getting any sympathetic arousals. What you guys can picture in your mind is, you know, like an ECG when you're seeing your heart rate go up and down. When I breathe in, the heart rate goes up. When I breathe out, it goes down. So if I want to get my heart rate to come down, I obviously want to get the, the exhale emphasized breathing. If I want it to go up, meaning I'm trained, I want to have inhale emphasized breathing. Okay. So learning to manipulate the durations is very important. Um, and the pauses on the end are another important thing. You want to, there's a natural pause that should happen after each breath. So inhale, pause, exhale. There's these natural hesitations that are very important to see if someone has uh, ultimately healthy automatic ears. Thanks for listening to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. For full episode guides with important takeaways and bonus resources, head over to muscleintelligence.com slash learn. If you enjoy the show and find value in the content, please subscribe, share this podcast with at least one person you know and love who would benefit from this content, leave us a review, and support our sponsors. You can see the full list of show sponsors, discounts, and get exclusive Muscle Intelligence deals at muscleintelligence.com slash resources. To join our private community and get VIP access to my masterclasses, upcoming muscle camps, and other resources that we don't post anywhere else, head to muscleintelligence.com slash community. Most of all, thank you very much for your trust, for your time, and most importantly, for supporting health and fitness in this world. Enjoy your day. I look forward to seeing you here next week. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. 
This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.